Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's guest goes by Miss Purple in Discord and on Twitter. A self-described bookworm and science nerd, she joined Bankless Dow in January of this year and is a core member of the Bankless Africa team, where she is a writer and podcast host. Miss Purple also was one of our early hosts on the Making Bank show, and we'd love to have you back, Miss Purple. Welcome, Miss Purple. Welcome to Making Bank. Thank you. It's so great to be on the other side of the table for the first time in a while, so it's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. I've been really enjoying Sats and Gwe coming out of uh, Bankless Africa, and yeah, let's dig into a little bit of your journey. You are a writer, a voiceover artist, clearly, and a radio host, and you are based in Lesotho, Southern Africa. Is that correct? That is correct. It's pronounced Lesotho, but... Lesotho. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, great. So let's, uh, let's jump into it. What brought you into the space? Had you already been exploring for a while? And maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um... I mean, Bankless Africa was not actually, well, Bankless DAO as a whole, it wasn't it wasn't my first foray into the space, really. I had already been in, I was essentially trying to trade from about, I think, August last year, officially speaking. I knew about crypto. I knew what it kind of meant. I'd never been able to bring myself to spend money on it. <laughs> it's just been something that I just kind of looked at from afar. But I think in August, I hit a, a tipping point where I said, you know what, I have nothing to lose. So why not? Right. So that's when I started trying to get into it. But I think I officially started um, trying to get deeper into the space more in October. Yes, October, November. That's when I, I got into Discord. I started off mostly with NFTs. I think I'm more heavily still with NFTs than than I am with with DAOing or with DeFi. Mostly gaming NFTs, and I'm still into that. Um, but it's it's moving slow. I think all of us are kind of have kind of realized that gaming with Web three it's going to happen. It just it's not something that happens overnight like normal PFP NFT projects take. So I kind of. Uh, kept my toe in but I'm not as as involved in there as I used to be and I joined Bank to Style because first of all I couldn't believe it was possible to do that because I had been consuming so much bankless content and it had become this big great phenomenal thing in my head when I realized that with Web3 you can actually easily join communities like that it was unbelievable to me and I wanted to give it a try. I actually joined because I, well, I was curious, but to be honest, I did leave because it was a bit confusing. There were too many things going on, too many people. I didn't know what to do. It, I was just lost. So I left the Discord, I remember. But for some reason, I joined the season kickoff Twitter space. And that's when I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it another try. If it doesn't work, maybe it's not for me. And I came in and then 
somebody noticed me, I think from my Twitter, and they said, hey, aren't you from Africa? And then that's when I decided to join Bankless Africa, because I think it was mainly because it was easiest for me. I could figure out what to do, where to go. I felt like it was easier for me to belong. But Bankless DAO as a whole is huge. It's, it's a lot going on, you know. I think I just got overwhelmed. But yeah, I am glad that I did give it another go because now I couldn't imagine any other way. That's great. It is overwhelming. It can be confusing. And especially when people are coming in new and everything we're using are, I would say, pretty much new to everyone. Even the Discord and those tools are web too, and they've been around a while. A lot of us haven't really used those things before. And the key point, I think, of what you mentioned there is coming back and finding a place where you felt at home. And I think one of the things that Bankless Africa has done really well inside the Bankless Down Discord server is to have those new joiner sessions. Yeah, we have the general new joiner, but I think Bankless Africa brings its own vibe to it and is really a super welcoming space. And I think that's a huge part of it. You had written a Medium post, and I, I'm trying to remember, it was on your entry and first getting started and coming to Discord, and you talked a bit, I don't know if it was in that piece or not, but about modern friends. Yes, it was. And the types of relationships you form there, where it's online first. Do you want to maybe speak to that a little bit? Because I found that a really interesting phrasing and take on it. For sure. To be fair, that label, I got it from another podcast that I was listening to. I actually I have, I think it was, it's called Hello Metaverse, I think. And I heard about this phrase called modern friends and I thought about it and I thought, you know, I've always been a weirdo. I mean, being a science nerd has not exactly been a thing that historically makes one very popular. <laughs> So it was, it's always been hard for me to, you know, make friends in the more IRL situations. But I found that ever since entering the Web3 space, I had these tons of friendships where people would, if I wasn't online for a full day, I would come back the next day and I would find at least three messages of people asking if I'm okay. And I realized that these are friends. You know, it may be strange in that I've never met them. I have no idea what they look like. They could be people posing to be something else. But that's besides the point. You know, these are true friends who care about me and I care about them and they look out for me. So I realized that these are modern friends. And in as much as it's great to have modern friends and to, you know, evolve with the times and get with it. I think I wrote that because I was internalizing the fact that there's always going to be elements of our Web2 life or even, you know, IRL life that we need to focus on and we need to work on to cultivate because you can't ever fully replace them. You know, no matter how many algorithms you try to put together, no matter how many photos we post, it's never the same with you having a physical friend in life that you can call up and they will show up at your doorstep. So... Yeah, I, I wrote that yeah. post from a sad perspective, I think, of kind of internalizing that fact, but also just admitting and making peace with the fact that this is what the space is about, because that's what that's what everybody here has become to each other. You know, you are very close with a few people in the DAO, and it's very likely that some of them you've never met, but you trust them and you care about them and you know they will have your back. So, yeah, that's why I wrote that piece, I think. Yeah, that's been an interesting experience and journey for me too and something I, I didn't anticipate how tight those relationships would be with people you've never met in person i like you when i was younger i was i was pretty 
pretty introverted, I guess. And people that know me now, and especially listening to this podcast, I can't shut up half the time. People <laughs> chuckle. It's like, yeah, you an introvert, right? But it's a developed thing after you meet enough yeah. people and learn how to ask better questions. It makes things a lot easier. This is true. But we digress. <laughs> so coming into Bankless Down, joining the space back in October, November, and you had said you were already looking into the area. Yes, yes. I was already trying to figure things out mostly, but there's no startup book. There's nothing that you can really go to and read and it kind of teaches you all the ropes. So I was figuring it out as I went along. But yeah, I, I think I, I knew quite a bit and I have a very close friend, IRL, who knows a bit more about it, was part of the 2018 debacle. So he he's taught me a few things here and there, but I think I'm still I'm still learning a lot. I'm still finding that there's so much I still don't quite understand. And that's okay too, because it's going to be like this for a while, at least in my opinion. Yes, it's a complex area. And you being from a science background and I think some physics in there, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. <laughs> um, you can't know everything. It takes different disciplines to come together. And I think what we're doing now with the collection of technologies that we loosely refer to as Web3, there are so many components to this. There is no way you can cover all of this content. You've got development layers, layers in the stack that require specialized knowledge, and there's information security, and then you've got the things that we do, communication. There's the whole community management side of things, and governance is huge. We've been talking a lot about that on this show. I think... For me, with my science background, I like to know how things work, you know? I like to know that I can pull something apart and put it together again, but not physically speaking. I like to do that with numbers and equations and all of that. If I can calculate the thing and calculate it five times over and I still get the same answer, then I know that it definitely works. But if every single time I try to put something together, it gives me a different result, that bothers me. <laughs> and I've learned that with crypto, mm -hmm. that's what it is. You know, nothing is ever exactly the same conditions are always changing it's forever moving so I think my biggest thing also coupled with the fact that I am a storyteller I like to assist in educating people but also documenting that journey that entire experience of educating people so that things aren't lost because I know that when I first joined discord I had no idea where to go and I eventually figured it out I think after about a week or so of trying, I figured it out. And when another friend of mine asked me, how do you join Discord? And I'm like, oh, it's easy. And I realized that, no, it's not. It's easy for you because you've been using it for months. For somebody who's just coming in, it's not that easy. And I think that's what tends to happen, especially in this space. We start to think that things are normal and they're common knowledge for every single person just because we have now gotten the experience to, to get that knowledge and understand it. So I like to assist in creating maybe, you know, archives, what it was like at the beginning, how to get started. And I think that's what I absolutely enjoy the most about being part of the Bangladesh Africa podcast, because I get to speak with people who are at the beginning stages of their building, in the middle of their building. And I get to document that, their thought processes, their ideas, what brought them to that specific position that they're in. And that stays in whatever platform for as long as is humanly possible. Ideally, you know, there would be a more decentralized way of keeping that information and not just on, 
your usual streaming platforms but I think with time that will come but for now I am thoroughly thoroughly enjoying getting to speak with people and put together this hour-long 45 minute long conversation about what got them started how they got to where they got to because I think showing people from Africa and from the whole world really how easy it is if you just decide to commit yourself I think that can go a long way because we need we desperately desperately need a revolution as a continent um and I use that word very intentionally because a revolution is never calm it's never just something that just happens overnight it takes time and it's an entire overhaul of everything of people's way of thinking of entire systems so I I am thoroughly enjoying getting to share that. I wish I could do more and I'm trying to figure out ways of how I could do that. I want to go back to writing more pieces again. I realized that some people enjoyed them, some didn't bother reading, but you know, that's besides the point. You write for the people who cared. So I want to do more of that because that's important to me. I, I don't want people to come in later on and have people bash them, have people laugh at them for not understanding certain things because I know what it's like to be left out in the cold and I do not want any of my people, my kin, any of those people to struggle to be able to understand what's going on. So yeah, I think that's what powers me on to do what I do and to motivate me really, because every day I get to learn as well. And as a lifelong learner, that's a dream, you know? Every day I hear about something new, a new project, and I'm like, ooh, what does this do? And you realize that it's solving a problem you didn't think needed solving, but then you realize, of course it needs solving. So I think I'm having the time of my life, really, to just get to have conversations. You know, like you said, I enjoy talking <laughs> and I can do that. <laughs> I can do that a lot. So I, yes. I enjoy talking with people who can teach me something for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of things that popped into my mind. One is keeping that beginner mindset and that is so hard to do because the moment you start learning a new subject and you start getting a little deeper into it, those initial questions you had, unless you're writing it down and you're documenting what you're doing or somehow tracking your progress, you don't even remember what those original questions were. Exactly. And then the other piece, we gather in groups. And I think the cohort, a group of people that are learning the same thing at the same time, I think that's a really useful thing to do, especially when it's a really complex topic and you need to bounce ideas off of other people and ask questions. And you do need to have a certain level of base knowledge because otherwise you're not moving forward. And so I think it's really useful to have cohorts that are basically at the same level. But I think oftentimes, and like when we're talking about new joiners and just getting into discussions and exploring a new topic, whatever, in an open setting where you're not already along, like with a group of students that are on a very defined path. I think having that range of experience in the room and being able to ask questions both from a more experienced standpoint and a neophyte standpoint helps everybody. I think it was, yeah, it was Tessa from Fight Club. Um, she was talking about how she's a black belt in jujitsu, if I'm not mistaken. I could be uh, getting this a little bit wrong. But she said that when she is in an experience with a new student or someone who's not as experienced, she learns as much or more from them than they learn from her because they may go at something from a different approach that she hadn't thought of before. And so it incorporates the new information and makes her better. 
And I think that's true with pretty much anything. And you're always keeping that beginner's mentality because you're always interacting with people that are at a different point on their path. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's easier because people who are just beginning to learn, they open your mind to the possibilities because there's certain questions you ask when you're you're just starting in something that with time, you stop asking them because you're like, oh, you know what? I have looked and looked and looked and that thing is impossible. But a new person comes in and anything is still possible. You know, they're not yet jaded. The fact that we always say, and this bugs me so much, people on Twitter will laugh at people and say, you have to get rugged real hard for you to know that you're really, truly in the space. And I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about that, you know? I mean, I can understand the analogy with like a bicycle and a rowing boat that you have to tip, you have to fall for you to understand how to avoid it. But for us to perpetuate this thing that getting rugged is normal, that's just terrible. Whether you're being rugged by a project or because the mark has decided to crash and now you're stuck, I think that we're missing something there. You know, we're missing the humanity of it all. I think first and foremost, if we were all educated at the level that you may be at, at a certain point in time, if you're educated to that point, you know what to look at, you know what to avoid. I mean, you don't completely remove yourself from it because even people who've been in this space for eons, they still get caught in the cold. But I think being able and understanding that we need to teach each other and not laugh at each other, not expect people to learn from the pain, that could be a, a starting point, a positive starting point. There are people who put in their entire life savings. And sure, it may seem silly to us, but it seems silly now. When you're beginning and you're starting and everything looks rosy, it doesn't seem silly. It seems like the best bet you could make for yourself because it's either that or the bank and everything has its pros and cons. So I think We need to be both honest with ourselves and both honest with everybody around us and people who are learning in saying that this is what this thing is and it's not perfect, but in certain circumstances, it's the best bet. So I think just there needs to be an openness and less of a tribalism (laughs) because people seem to be trying to defend space more than educate about the space. So I think that's a point that I think we all need to work on in, in some way or another. I agree with you. What are some concrete things that we can do? We talk a lot in generalities about being welcoming Mm -hmm. and helping people learn and making this decentralized financial technology available to everyone. And we have a risk right now of those in power, whether it's governments or a banking structure, not wanting to succeed. Yes. And so that's one, one subject. The other subject, and this concerns me a lot, as we bring new people in, and there are a lot of risks to be scammed, Mm -hmm. to lose everything you put in. A lot of this technology that we're using is experimental. And there's not just the risk from the code. People need to understand that you've got so many layers of risk here that you need to be aware of. And putting your life savings into something that is A, experimental, B, has regulatory risk, see who knows which assets are going to make it. A year ago, I thought Terra Luna (laughs) was looking pretty cool. So it's very risky. And I think we need to be honest with people about that and teach them how to protect themselves, whether it's limiting your exposure in terms of amount of your assets, 
or practicing good information security, all those things. And how do you do that? Most people, most individuals, I think, especially this early, and if you're not technical, it can be super dangerous to just to try and do that on your own without seeking out trusted sources of information and all of that. Yeah. My opinion on this is that I'd like to prephrase first by, by saying that I think philosophically speaking, human beings have degraded in terms of our humanity towards each other. Because my understanding of how this could work is people coming together to work together. But for some reason, people have this zero-sum game in their heads where if I can't win, nobody can. But also, you would think the opposite would be true, where if I win, we all win. But that's not how people think. They think if I win, I will win with my friends. None of y'all are coming with me. And that is where things go wrong. Because if we didn't exercise that kind of mentality, you wouldn't have these elitist people feeling the need to close themselves off from everybody else. You wouldn't have people who keep making money off of scamming people out of their money. You know what I mean? Because if we understood that if there's a thousand dollars to go around and there are two of us, we can both get $500 and we'll be good. But no, I want the entire thousand and you're going to sit there and watch me eat it. That's concerning. What's well, that game theory being played out? Exactly. You know, whether it's the prisoner's dilemma or all these game theory concepts about human behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And invariably, if you run a number of iterations of that test, time and again, humans disappoint. Exactly. Exactly and that. Why is that? I, I have absolutely no idea. And that I feel like finding that answer. That could be the reason why so many things are the way they are. Because even when you go outside of Web3, that's the same thing with, you know, IRL situations. It's the same reason why people will fight over oils and whatnots. It's because somebody always wants to have more power than the other. Somehow we have an inability to share things. And that includes sharing information. Because I know a lot of people here in Lesotho who have... Maybe not a lot, but a reasonable amount of people who have dabbled with crypto, specifically in Bitcoin. And every time I would ask them for information, they will tell me to pay them. So I have to pay you for information. And they are unfortunately known as scammers because they don't ever give anybody information. They only ever just, they'll take your money and they'll go invest it for you. You don't even know if they're actually investing it in Bitcoin or anything else. You have no idea. They just take your money and they give you back some money later on. And sometimes they just disappear with your money. So there's this gated community around the knowledge and around the information that if we were to release that, so much can come out of that. And again, just to bring it back to Bankless Africa, that is exactly what we're trying to do. Because for us as a continent, information has been withheld from us for way too long. Every single iteration of an industrialization or a revolution or some kind of evolution, we are at the bottom barrel, the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to receiving information. And that needs to stop because that is the main reason why people are held back. If we were truly aware of the richness that we hold as an entire continent, we wouldn't be the way we are. And, and I ask this all the time to, to a few friends of mine, but why does the continent not trade amongst each other? And I know that sounds very non-Web3, but 
I think that is the same when you come into Web3 as well. You're seeing people who are Bitcoin maxis attacking ETH maxis, and then they attack Sol maxis. And I don't understand. What is the point of that? Because if you truly understand what the purpose of blockchain and decentralization and Web3 is about, then you don't need to be a maxi. That is the complete opposite of what this entire space should be about. And that's where the trouble will start. Because then these people start to attack each other. And that in turn ends up hurting an entire region and an entire section of people who don't even know how to keep up with what is going on in the U.S. I've never been more invested in the U.S. than I am right now. And I may not even be a big fan, but now I have to hang on to every single piece of information I can find because everything that they do affects all of us at the bottom. And you see all these people who have made it, all these people who are deemed as elite They say all these things about us as an entire continent, as if we're this tiny little village of 2,000 people and we have nothing to put on the table. And I think me and my age mates across the entire continent have reached a breaking point where we have, we've had enough of being looked at as nothing, of being considered not worthy of anyone's attention, not worthy of anybody's funding, not worthy of anybody's investment. And we've decided, you know what, screw this. We're going to find ways to share with each other and work amongst each other. It's still difficult because like I said, and like we agreed, human beings, for some reason, we still have problems when it comes to sharing. So even in our communities, we still struggle with somebody wanting to be the one to do something versus tabling the information and letting us all come up with a better solution versus you going off on your own. But I think we're getting there. And I think Bankless Africa is a phenomenal tool with which a lot of us are able to do that. Because of that podcast, I've been able to reach so many people who would never, ever in their lifetime listen to me simply because I am now talking about what can we do. It's not about what can I, as Miss Purple, do? No, it's about what can Africans do? Africans in Africa, Africans in the diaspora, people who maybe don't even identify as Africans but want to support the continent. What can we all do to move this entire mission and to become an integral part of Web3 and build it so that it's tailored for us and not against us? So I'm very ecstatic about what we're continuing to do with Bankless Africa, with the podcast, the newsletter, educational projects, even the NFT project that we have going, the carbon collectibles. Things like that are just a glimpse of what's possible if people just decide, okay, you know what, we're going to do this together. And I am beyond grateful to be able to do that because, man, I've spoken to some phenomenal people. I've learned so much and I've been connected in so many different ways. And because of that, people are now keen to start working more with Africans and more with the people that I've had conversations with and maybe even more with me because we've now established that we're at the same point where we feel like enough is enough and information needs to be shared. And if I can do my bit by talking, I will do it. If I can do my bit by giving people space to be heard and to be seen, I will do it. Yes. Yeah, I, I- a bit of a rant, but if not us, who? If not yeah. now, when? They're always saying, "Okay, yeah, we'll get there. Just wait." Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're not going to wait. Where do our tax dollars go? Who do we elect? And then, how do you make sure they fulfill their promises? If it was all on chain, 
if you could somehow remove somebody from power by a smart contract, it's like, oh, well, you didn't fulfill the things you said you were going to do. And this is parameter A, parameter B, parameter C. And uh, those have not been fulfilled. And the contract has logic in it that says you are now removed from office. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) I would love that so much. Uh, fantasy, fantasy. But, you know, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility in the Star Trek future, if we get there. We were talking a bit about, about a couple of other things that I'd just like to touch on here and see if we want to dig into it a little bit. And one of the things we had started chatting about offline was, I forget where I saw it, but that China is building presidential palaces and so on for various mm-hmm. leaders around the continent. And then you had told me that they are also doing some other infrastructure work. And there's some concerns there that really made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. So would you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So firstly, just remember the definition of corruption is dishonest or fraudulent conduct by those in power, typically involving bribery, right? So bribery is something that happens because there is a lack that somebody notices in you and they can fill that, albeit temporarily, they can fill that and convince you that you are okay, you are great, you are in a better position and so you can allow them to do whatever the heck they please because they have fixed your situation. So we have a lot of that and I am going to go on the limb here and hope for dear heavens that it comes out of a desperation because people on this side have not seen certain access to certain things. However, I also feel like you being in a position of power, you are exempt from trying to look out for yourself like that before you look out for an entire country of people that you're supposed to be leading. So without putting my entire country on blast, our new hospital is being built by the Chinese. And that concerns me. It concerns me a lot because... It feels like they're building it for themselves. It's not for us. A lot of the stuff that they build, they build it with Chinese configurations, as in the languages that they use in there will be Mandarin mostly, including the symbols. It's very, very concerning because we have people here who don't even speak English. You know, they don't know how to converse in English. And now you expect them to understand how to operate and function in a hospital that is written in an entirely different language, an entirely different alphabet, and things like that just make you feel like you are not welcome in your own country. I mean, everybody knows the story or at least has come across the point about Zambia and how the Chinese officials in Zambia were essentially claiming that they own the country and that the residents were essentially on borrowed time. And Things like that are possible. It can happen. We saw that, you know, with colonization. Just the difference with colonization is that it was brute force. And now it's this very meticulous, very calculated process of, you know, swooping people out of the way to make space for you and your own. And if you look across the entire continent, at some point or another, there is a group of foreigners that are doing something on that piece of land and they're calling it uh, development for the country and for the people in the country. But I, I'm i not sure about that. I'm really not sure about that because that has not had a good history. Look, it's okay for you to accept help. It's okay for us to all, like I was saying earlier, accept working together as a unit, as an entire global group of people. However, when history tells you that certain groups of people have always had it out for you, 
it's difficult for us to believe that because time and time again, they prove that they're not looking out for us. And I'm extremely concerned about what this could mean for us in the future. If our official buildings and our healthcare and all these systems that are the backbone of an entire community of people, what does that mean for us? Where do we go when we're in need? If those people decide that we're no longer welcome to their facilities, what happens to us? We have nowhere to go. We don't have people here who can just build a hospital in two days. The worst thing is that this all happened right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was confusing to all of us because it's like, you're going to demolish one hospital to build another in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) So I mean, I could go on about this for eons because it upsets me so much. But I think what this says about us as Basotho, but also the other African countries that are affected in this way is that we lack a faith in ourselves. We are not convinced that we can do it on our own, number one. And number two, we're not convinced that we have the ability to come up with our own solutions because people won't invest in Miss Purple's dream. No, but they will invest in uh, Miss Red from another country, but not a person from their own home country. And that is because we've always seen everybody else who's other as being better I know we were we were going in in more the more IRL situations, but just to just bring it back to Web three as well, it's the same even in Web three where a lot of people are not bothering to get in because they think, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna let those other people do what they do best. I'm gonna let Silicon Valley build what they always seem to build, and then I'll come in and I'll adopt. And that's a concern because. People there are not going to build thinking about my grandmother who lives in the mountains and doesn't even know how to use a smartphone. They're not building for people like that. They're building for them and their friends and their children and their children's children. And then the rest of us are supposed to just adapt. And then we lose our history. We lose our stories. So I am very passionate about challenging people to do that for themselves. Challenging people to build things that function for them. Silicon Valley has continuously built things that benefited them more than anybody else, just them. So why is it wrong for anybody in Africa to build something that's just for Africans? There's nothing wrong with that. There shouldn't be anything wrong with that because we have problems that other people in the US and the UK and China and anywhere else don't have because we're still so far behind. So if there is, of course, any Chinese official who decides to listen to this conversation, I think more than anything, we just want we just want our own freedom. We want the ability to move freely and not feel like somebody is trying to pull the rug out of our own feet when it comes to our homes. Africa is home to so many people. It holds so many stories. It holds so much rich history. And for people to continuously come in and For it to feel like we're being kicked out of our home sucks. And it's a terrible, terrible feeling. And I hope we're just speculating here. I hope it's not what it looks like it is right now, where it looks like there's a rush to grabbing a piece of Africa once again. I really hope it's not that. Because if it is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. Because I can tell you now that me and my age mates are, we're not the same kind of people that our parents were. We're not as calm as our parents used to be. That is to say that we're bold enough to create. We're bold enough to innovate now. We dream up the wildest dreams. And I think us and the 
Gen Zers behind us. It feels so weird for me to not refer to myself as a Gen Z, but I feel like <laughs> Gen Zers are, we're going to do some things. So, yeah. I want to make sure that we get some calls to action in here. Do you have anything you'd like to touch on in terms of if somebody's interested in anything we've talked about, whether it's hopping into the Bankless Africa conversations and Discord uh, and maybe the projects you're working on or promo some of the shows or some of the content you're creating? Yeah, we do have some pretty phenomenal channels. So if you go towards the bottom of the Bankless DAO channels, you will eventually come across BA General. That's where it starts. And I believe it's just above or below the international node, somewhere there. And everybody's always free to pop in to either contribute or share some ideas or just have conversations with us. If there is somebody who has a guest that they think would be phenomenal for the podcast, you can always hit me up or hit up Think Decade. But to be able to to interact with our podcast, our newsletter, or any of the projects that we're doing, you can always check out our Twitter. There's a whole bunch of links included in our link tree. So you can check those out and look through whichever one speaks to you. You can check out my link tree as well, just to see some individual things that I am working on outside of, of Bankless Africa as well. But I think in general, it's so phenomenal to know that there's this, Bankless DAO has become a machine, you know, it's this, huge machine that just churns content <laughs> and it's phenomenal there are people who are writing there are people who are coding there are people who are graphic designers and every single person has this very important role and i mean this show is called making bank i think for many people being able to make bank is a phenomenal experience if i could just since we're closing off share a little bit like a very very short story the first time I came into Bangladesh, well, when I came back the second time, really, I came across a task in getting started. And it was by Above Average Joe. Ironically, he was the first person I also interviewed for Making Bank, which was like a full circle moment for me. But he had a task where it was for the season launch Twitter space. And for some reason, the bot wasn't working that was supposed to collect people's addresses and, and give them their PO app. So he needed people to help him input the numbers and claim the PO app for those particular address. So I was like, okay, it sounds like just inputting information. I could do that. And I did that. And I remember I got paid like $20 worth of bank. I remember screaming and telling my mom, Ma, <laughs> I just got $20 for putting in a whole bunch of information. Is this real? And my mom, obviously, she barely understands, but she just knew that I said dollars. And that was like a very strange experience for the both of us where we just, we looked at each other and she was like, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. <laughs> and, um, I went back into Dow and I realized, oh my gosh, there are people in here. You get, you get paid for helping people. And I love doing that. I can just walk around and just help people whenever they need are you serious? And I can I can make a few dollars from that. I didn't even want to use the dollars. I just wanted to know that I was getting something for it. It just felt so cool, you know? And of course, for somebody who's been listening to Bangless HQ's podcasts and all of that, and then you hear about all these things and it's like, I get to have a bank token 
that was a beautiful, beautiful moment for me. And fast forward to now, I'm making bank from hosting a podcast, which of course, as anybody can tell, I love doing it. And it's been a great experience. And I think we should remember that there are always going to be people who come in and it's their first time. And you have no idea what that experience means for them to have somebody who makes them feel like they belong here. Because like I'm eternally grateful to Above Average Joe. Because if he didn't give me that task that first day, I don't know that I would have stuck around. And it was nothing massive. He just needed help putting in information and I could do it. So I felt like I can be something here because I can provide some kind of assistance and some kind of service. So I would encourage everybody in here to not forget about the beginner's mindset and not forget about people who are new to Discord, people who are new to Web3 and new to Bankless DAO, because you can change an entire person's life and the trajectory of their entire career just by being free and being open with them and allowing them to be involved in this new frontier, as they call it. It's been a great journey and I am enjoying myself so much and I'm eternally, eternally grateful to the entire Bankless Africa community because they have helped me live out my wildest dreams in the best ways possible. You know, I get to write, I get to edit, I get to talk, I get to do all my fun favorite things and make bank from it. So that's it's it's a bit of a bonus. From the comfort of your own home. Exactly. See, there we go. <laughs> well, that's just fantastic. And you bring up a couple of things there that, you know, a person doesn't necessarily have to, to take on some giant project or a giant task that has a ton of visibility or whatever. You can start with these smaller things, whether it's taking notes or doing something that could be a bit tedious, like just filling out a spreadsheet or validating a list of numbers or whatever, and just helping out in those ways, learning how to use Notion. You can earn a POAP now by becoming a Notion ninja. There's a course that the Education Guild has developed doing that. So there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do out there. So you're learning, you're earning, you're making friends. And what could be better than that? And if it all works out, we'll also end up having a lot more self-sovereignty in our lives and hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, Miss Purple, this has been an absolute joy. We could talk about a ton of things. I am going to get back and listen to the rest of that Sats and Gway that I started this morning. And uh, I encourage others to listen, like, subscribe to Bankless Africa and the shows you've got there. And um, man, there is just such a wealth of information and content and vibes coming out of Bankless Africa your team is relentless, as Think Decade likes mm-hmm. to say on community calls. And uh, I just can't wait to see how you grow and bring even more people on board and empower everyone to, to help grow this space and learn from each other. Yeah, we're relentless to the very end, as I like to say. All right. Was there anything that we left out that maybe popped into your head? No, I think we mentioned all the places to find the information and everything. So okay. I think that was pretty good. All right. Well, we'll have all that stuff in the show notes. And I wanted to make a specific note about your Twitter handle. There are a number of Miss Purples out there. And I want to make sure people get the right one. You are Miss Purple with two R's in purple and an underscore at the end. That is correct. Yes. That will be in our show notes. So you can just click and go right to and follow. So you're not having to hunt for for Miss Purple. Heaven forbid you get the wrong one. We want (laughs) this Miss Purple. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. 
If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information and how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please listen, like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.